Petrangelo shoots, save, rebound, score! Nicholas Waugh ties it! Rebound goal for Nick Waugh! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. A steal for Colasar, charging out. Colasar the right, he shoots and scores! Colasar on the breakaway! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your home for access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Wallace and Chapman were uh, were riding together today. No Darren Millard. Uh, again, obviously Darren is day-to-day, so hopefully we'll get Millard back in the saddle tomorrow. But in the meantime, we've got a jam-packed show for you today. We're going to get into game ratings from last night's 5-3 loss to the Minnesota Wild. We're also going to replay Bruce Cassidy's audio from immediately after last night's game. There was something he said in there that I thought was so important that I want to get Chapman's reaction to it, as well as just kind of assessing the vibe. Chapman, you get to go down, and you get to be in the locker room with the players. It's a vibe check for the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll get to that in just a little bit as well. We're going to dive into the bubble teams in both conferences, Eastern Conference, Western Conference. How many playoff spots do we reasonably believe are actually up for grabs, and how many teams are battling out for those spots as well? And then we're going to bring in Lindsey Brown, she does a great job, obviously, on Raider Nation Radio covering the Raiders and uh, all things football, but she is a goaltender uh, by trade, and so we're going to bring Lindsay in. We're going to talk a little bit about goaltending, not just Golden Knight-specific and Aiden Hill, but we're really going to open things up uh, to the National Hockey League at large, her Vesna favorites, and which teams have to upgrade their goaltending in order to legitimately be contenders. And then we're going to get to one-timers now, or number two. And boy, oh boy, John Tortorella. I didn't put this on the show notes, Chapman. I'm sorry. I'm going to kind of blindside you with this one. But John Tortorella is the hero we all deserve. And that's all I'm going to say. We'll dig into that. And also, I don't like the way he does business. I don't like him. (laughs) A determination, a, a judgment on Morgan Riley has come down just a few minutes ago. So we'll dig into that as well. But... To start things off, it is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. We are going to talk about uh, a tough game last night for Vegas, the team, as they drop their first game after the bye week in the All-Star break to the Minnesota Wild. It's a 5-3 final. You know, it it was a weird game. Obviously, there's the big milestone for Alex Petrangelo. He hits 1,000 games. It's a great ceremony. The gold stick. Everything is so well done. Start there, Chapman. Just kind of your initial reactions to the pregame ceremony for Alex Petrangelo, the video package, uh, the players and the coaches that were involved in that video package. It just kind of underscores how much of a legacy Alex Petrangelo has on this game and with his teammates and how important he is to two organizations in the St. Louis Blues and the Vegas Golden Knights. Well, I'll start by saying that the the ceremony was really nice. I thought it was well done. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, getting some former people who've been around Alex, Craig Berube, one who, who uh, yes. stuck out to me. Um, you know, people from St. Louis, right? I mean, we can't, we can't ignore the fact that Alex Petrangelo is maybe the greatest 
or one of the greatest players to ever lace him up for the St. Louis Blues. So certainly, I think you look at that, and and it's a it's an important detail of his career that needed to be included. And I thought it was very nice of the Golden Knights to do so. Um, you know, it was really cool to see the way he he celebrated the moment with his family, mom and dad, his his wife and his his kids, and you know the 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 part that I thought was the the coolest was him on the ice watching his son skate. Like, yeah. I thought, like, as, as a father, like, what a cool moment that is to be able to to embrace that as a, as a parent and, and share that with your with your child. So I thought that was that was really cool. Um, we, we've been pretty lucky because, you know, you and I were in the building when, when Patrick Marlowe, of course, set the record for the most games played in NHL history. Mm-hmm. And that was a yeah. ceremony that it, it was kind of weird because of when it took place. Um, but it was still one of those things where you're like, wow, this is this is a piece of history. If you were in the rink last night, you witnessed something that only, what was the number, 368 players in the history of the NHL have ever accomplished? So 386 skaters. Okay, 386 skaters. Yep. So yep. you were part of history last night if you were in Timo mm-hmm. Arena because you you there's not even 400 players in the history of the NHL, and, and I... I don't know exactly how many players have ever skated a game in the NHL, but I'm going to venture to guess it's somewhere probably in the thousands. And so a very small yeah, You know, it's, it's, funny, it's funny that you bring that up because last night Gary Lawless and Dan Duva, they were, they were kind of talking about it, right? And you talk about players that have played one game, right? One game in the National Hockey League. You're looking at about 8,400 players, like 8,400 players. Like that's the number that you're talking about there. I've played one game? To get – who have played one game in the National Hockey League. Okay. So you look at that massive of a number. That That is a large number. And then you get to the amount of players in, in 386, uh, skaters specifically, that have played 1,000 games. It, it just really does illuminate how difficult a task it is to be this good for this long and at the height of your game to the point where you can get to 1,000 games. It doesn't happen for every player. No, and and... You know, it was funny because I was looking at the at the Wild roster last night, and I'm going to have to go back mm-hmm. and look. But they have a guy who, a defenseman, who is in his 30s, and he's only played like 30 games in the NHL. And then you contrast mm-hmm. that with a guy like Petrangelo, and you're like, wow. Like, this is a guy who is in his 30s and is just basically beginning his career in the NHL. And then you look across the ice, and you've got Alex Petrangelo, who is well into his career, and he's played a thousand games. I mean, that's it, it. It just is one of those things where it makes you realize how hard the road is to get to the mm-hmm. NHL, and once you're there, how difficult it is to stay there. Because as good as Alex Petrangelo is, his entire yeah. career, he's had someone behind him who's wanted to take his spot. Like, it's just, it's just. The way it works. It's, well, that's it's, that's the way. It, yeah, that's professional sports, right? So, like so, any time you get to the top of the mountain. So to have to be on your game for as long as Petrangelo has had to not only be an NHL player, but to be a top pairing defenseman for as long as he's he's been. I mean, it's incredible, and and it's it's applause worthy, and it's it's a moment that I don't think anyone associated with the Golden Knights will ever forget, especially because he's the first guy to hit that milestone mm-hmm. while wearing this jersey. I mean, yep. it, it's look, there there's there's milestones you hit as a franchise. 
This this franchise in just six and a half seasons, they already have a Stanley Cup. They have a Conn Smythe winner. They have mm-hmm. guys who've won the Vezina Trophy, guys who've won the Selkie Award, Coach of the Year, Jack Adams Award, General Manager mm-hmm. of the Year. There's milestones that this franchise has hit that there's organizations in the NHL that have never hit. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. to, to be able to be in the building, be part of that history, if you're a fan and you were there, embrace it because it's not something that happens very often. Yeah, it isn't, and and that's why you know you look at last night's game and you felt a lot of goodwill. You, you know, if you're a fan going to that one, you recognize the history that's being made. You recognize how important and big a moment it is for Alex Petrangelo. And then we get into the game. Like what? You know, it's interesting, right? Because I looked at that game from the Golden Knights, and the first five and a half six minutes, I thought Vegas was really good. Like the energy was great. Uh, they were good in the offensive zone. They were creating a little bit of confusion. Philip Gustafson, to me, did not look settled in at all. Like, that first goal, it's a fluke, sure, but he just never really looked comfortable to me. And then you get to the media timeout. The Minnesota Wild pick up a couple of power plays, and all of a sudden the Golden Knights allow Minnesota to get back into the game because of the penalties. So how did you kind of assess the game as a whole? Because... It felt like a lot of different games all rolled into one, but there's one take-home message that I have, and I'll get to it because it's something Bruce Cassidy talked about last night as well. Your thoughts on the game? Well, I don't think it was a well-played game by either side. It was sloppy. Like the Wild, they committed a lot of penalties Fair. in that game. Yeah. Golden Knights went through a stretch where it started with Sheldon Rempel, and you know, maybe, maybe, maybe not a, a, a call that, but nonetheless, you go on the you go on the PK. Which is manageable. I mean, the Wild are, 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 they've got some dynamic players, and some of those dynamic players showed up and scored goals last night. But it, it wasn't a make or break power play well, the, or, or PK. The issues, the issues for the Golden Knights weren't at five on four. No. It was extended five on threes, yes. two of them, right? Like and, that's where the issue became a problem for the Golden Knights. And the bench minor was, was I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. It's, it's inexcusable. On a, on a that was clear kill. as day too. It was yeah. clear as and then, day. And then the the elbow by McNabb, and you know, I I, I had some people say, "Oh, that wasn't a, a penalty." What really? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was mm-hmm. pretty clear. And I mean, you could say Hartman embellished, but it was still a clear penalty. And to commit that penalty, like it's very uncharacteristic of a guy like McNabb to lose his his cool like that on the ice. He's he's a guy who. I think he's a, a very intelligent player on the ice. He's a leader on the ice. He's a guy who occasionally could wear an A if certain players are out. And it was a real, I, I would just say, a, a a moment of, of you know, poor, poor decision-making. I think, I, think, I think in that situation, Braden McNabb was trying to send a message that you're not going to live in front of the net. You're not going to, yeah. To a, to a degree, I think Ryan Hartman sold it. Like I, As much as that's a, a strong, hard, high hit from Braden McNabb, I think that if Braden McNabb elbows you in the face, you're not hopping right back up and playing your next shift. Like I just don't yeah. see it. I, yeah. I don't think but, so. But so, Hartman to, is a veteran. He knows what he's doing. Sure. He, he's, yeah. no, he good is, on him. He, he's an agitator. I, I personally mm-hmm. like Ryan Hartman. I think he's, a, he's, a, he, he, he's one of those players that just annoys you. Yeah. Oh, but absolutely. he's a good player. So he, yeah. he's he's not as good as Marshawn, but he's in that Marshawn kind of role. And, <laughs> and I know we're going to talk about Brad Marshawn a little bit later, so it was it was sure, a yeah. good way to include him in this conversation. But 
Yeah, I mean, look, and and the the crux of it is William Carlson stick breaks in the middle of that. You're you're in the middle of the five on three, and yeah. as Bruce said, he goes, "Well, now it's a five on two. Mm-hmm. and yeah. it it kind of snowballed from there. And and the 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 part that bothered me was that they recovered from sure. giving up yeah. those two goals. Yeah, and then the second yeah. period was was just it was just a really kind of nothing happened. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, nothing happened in the second period, and then. You know, the, the fact of the matter is you kind of look at that one overall, and the Golden Knights had a chance to win that game in the third period. Yeah, they're the better and team. They John- should win in the third period. Jonathan Marcheseau has a wide-open net on the power play. He's unable to find the back of the net. Again, uh, I don't think the Golden Knights offensively did enough to really challenge Philip Gustafson, who I do not believe was ever comfortable in the game. Like, you allow a slap shot goal to Mark Stone coming down the wing when there's really not much happening in front of you or around you. I just don't think at the tight at the at the the height of your your game. I just don't think that you're having a good one. You're fighting the puck, all of that, and so it's a bit disappointing that the Golden Knights offensively didn't do more. They weren't able to find kind of their offensive game uh, at really any point in time for a sustained period of time. Like it's been, it was kind of five minutes at the start of the game. You know, about two or three minutes toward the end of the second period, and then obviously when they went down four to two, then you started to see a bit of a push there. But at that point, it just felt like it was too late for the Golden Knights. So uh, maybe urgency would be the word. It just felt like offensively they lacked some urgency. But here's my biggest issue with the game, and and Bruce Cassidy said it. It was right before he he finished his uh, media availability yesterday after the game. It didn't anyway, feel like son, Bruce. Uh... Oh. Nope, sorry. No, it didn't feel like the Minnesota Wild beat the Vegas Golden Knights. It felt like the Vegas Golden Knights beat themselves. And that's been kind of the big idea for the Golden Knights coming out of the bye week in the All-Star break is that now is the time of the year where you cannot beat yourselves. And that was something that Bruce Cassidy lamented. And here's his commentary from last night. Danny Webster, Las Vegas Sun. Bruce, uh, power play got off to a good start with Amadio's goal, but... What happened, I guess, over the course of the game that kind of tailed off in that department? Uh, second period, we didn't get enough. Uh, we were one and done. Didn't recover pucks. Third period, I thought we had a good power play. Missed a wide open net from our leading goal scorer. So that happens sometimes. But that goes in. Might change the momentum of the game. We'd have the lead in the third. But um, that's how I saw the power play. Oh, Chris. Hey, Coach, Chris Collick, Vegas Hockey Now. Was tonight always going to be Aiden's start in the goalie rotation, or did that change, obviously, with Logan's absence? And then since Aiden's return, has there been a rotation set in advance like earlier in the season, or is the goalie rotation kind of night by night right now? Um, I don't want to get into whose start it was. Logan's not available, so it's hypothetical. He didn't practice for the last two days, so obviously wasn't even here in the building. Um we go through the whole month, Berkey and I, so we have a rotation in mind. Um, we usually tell the goalies not the whole month, but the, they'll know. I don't know. I don't want to speak for Sean because he's the one that tells them, so he'll tell them. They'll certainly know during the week what, what day they're scheduled to play. So right now we're not going to worry about Saturday because it's so far away, and Logan's got to get on the ice before he can get back in the net. Oh, Ken and Chris. Ken Wilkie's in Nut Vegas. What did you not like about kind of their – early play in the third period they gave up the two goals uh it was probably more middle right so i mean the the first one we you know we, we turned the puck over in the wall in the breakout uh against their best line we 
done that earlier in the game and survived it. Um, and then the last goal, I don't know if Aiden couldn't pick it up, but by the time he went to play it, Boldy's almost in his crease, right? Knocks it loose. So that, I'm sure if you had to do it over again, he'd be more aggressive in that one. So there, that one is just one of those fortunate goals for them. We had one like that in the first goal. Let's face it, it was a lucky goal. So each team benefited from that. It was just bad timing, that one. Uh, the previous one, we had good breakout. Uh, it looked like a good breakout, but we forced a play into the middle of the ice. And uh, all of a sudden now we're in scramble mode to recover. Um, and then I'm not sure. I think Layden, maybe Aiden felt he had the puck in him. Uh, but he made the good stop, so that that's on us to mis- you know manage pucks. That listen, we didn't manage pucks very well most of the night. Um, when you do that, you got to outscore those mistakes, and we got three, but you know we didn't outscore them. Same with early in the game, I thought we mismanaged pucks between the blue as well. After the first five minutes, I liked our start, even though we got a lucky goal. We had some Carly's lines in there, a couple chances. We I thought we were going to be okay in terms of our energy level you know we've had guys in and out we've had a room full of sick i must say room full i'm not making excuses but i was concerned today about our energy how would our energy level be because of that and it started out well and then you know some of the guys we rely on didn't quite have it tonight either so now you're pushing um the guys that are going to get you back in or maybe not didn't feel like they were 100 percent. like nick was line they've been so good lately i didn't feel they were on top of their game tonight um probably showed in the end um so that that's what i saw with our with our team and again it's puck management for me i think when we get into trouble that's where things usually unravel for us and i would say that was probably the case tonight here's chris chapman fox sports las vegas you you go through that first period and you have the three penalties you're at five on three for a pretty decent portion of that first period. And then Carlson stick breaks and it's almost like the floodgates open. They get those two goals in the power place, but you get the one back. So how frustrating is it to give up those two goals and then to get one back and then end up not winning the game? Well, usually when you give up two on the power play, you're going to have a tough time winning and we did overcome it. And those were, I mean, Five on threes are tough to kill for extended periods, right? Now, now it's a five on two when a guy breaks his stick because that, that's tough luck for Carly. Did it uh, doing the right thing, blocking a shot. So, but obviously we took a too many men on the ice, which is really inexcusable there, right? Like that's that's one that we have to be sharper on the bench. That starts with me, but the players as well, who they're changing for. Um, undisciplined one in front of the net. First penalty was marginal, I thought. Um, they called it, not the end of the world. It's the other two that got us in trouble. So, But we got to 2-2, two, two, let's face it. you know, we're, We've got a new game going into the second period, and, and um, I thought we were going to be okay coming out of the third, to be perfectly honest. So the, usually when we're a good team. We're, we're, we know how to play winning hockey. I think this time of year that would be the biggest disappointment coming out of this game is third period in our building, a tie game, we basically, I don't want to say self-destruct because that's a little strong, but – the goals they got, we mismanage a breakout, and then the, the high flip one. Like they're, they're, they didn't really. I don't know if they really earned them. I think they were gifts, to be honest. So that's what it is, right there, from Bruce Cassidy. He he admitted that self destruct is a strong kind of phraseology for what happened to the Golden Knights. I agree with that. I don't think it was quite to that level. However, I don't feel like 
the Minnesota Wild went out and beat the Vegas Golden Knights. I feel like the Golden Knights beat themselves, and it's so rare that we say that about this team, but that's a point of emphasis alongside puck management that you know Bruce has really kind of asked his team to focus on here. So uh, do you view it the same way, Chapman? Like it was your question. It was a great question. Bruce kind of takes it into a couple of different directions, but you know, for the most part, it's a 2-2 game in the third period. This is a team in the Golden Knights that we expect in those moments to find a way to win, and it didn't happen last night. Yeah, usually when a team gives up a couple of five on, like Bruce alluded to, right, it's hard to come back when you give up mm-hmm. a five on three goal, let alone two of them. Um, sure. And so for the team to fight back, you get that great goal from Michael Amadio. And then to come out in the third period and, and make some really big mistakes, um, I thought I – thought, it, he's right. I mean, you you mm-hmm. look at the way that they played that game, and I'm, I would never suggest that they played well enough to win because they didn't. Mm-hmm. They didn't yeah. play well enough to win that game. But I don't really think the Wild played well enough to win that game either. It seemed like a game that was kind of destined for a shootout because mm-hmm. neither team was really playing all that well, and then a couple mistakes by the Golden Knights. And, I mean, it's it's one of the the, the, the Boldy goal was, was kind of strange. Um mm-hmm. You know, I, I I would say that that kind of canceled out the Marsha so goal, but sure, yeah. They're they're a team that has good players uh, that that play high up their line. I mean, that obviously Kaprizov is is a star player. I think Marco Rossi has the potential to turn out to be a good player now that he's finally healthy and getting his career on track. And and then of course Matt Boldy being another guy, they've got guys that can punish you. And mm-hmm. despite the fact that I don't think they're a very good team. They punished the Golden Knights last night for making mistakes. All right, so let's get into our game rating so that we can uh, we can move on from last night's game and get into the rest of the show. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Yeah! All right, Chapman, take it away. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a gin. It was a two out of five for me. I thought the game started well enough. You get that. I'll say fluky goal from Marshall, so, but it counts all the same. And you're mm-hmm. thinking, all right, they got that early goal. They're going to go ahead and they're going to score, put a couple more on the board to end the period, and they're going to play their their brand of hockey and they're going to they're going to win pretty comfortably. It didn't happen that way. I thought it was one of those games where they're probably watching the tape today and saying, man, that's that's dis- we, we we disappoint. We played very disappointing hockey. We didn't play our game. We didn't play good. Mm-hmm. And I think you go into that third period tied 2-2 with a team that's really not that good. And as you mentioned, it seemed like Gustafson was never really comfortable. There were a couple of moments in that game where you're like, man, this guy, he, he's he's a bit erratic. And mm-hmm. they they never were able to take advantage. And, and in that first period, I guess you could say, because the, the, the penalties kind of took them out of their game a little bit in that first period. But after you go in the locker room level of two, you should have been feeling really, really good because it could have been worse. But to go and level it too and and come out and not score another goal until the middle of the third period when Mark Stone cuts the deficit to four three, I thought it was a game where where they just didn't play their best hockey and and you know you, you're gonna have those from time to time. But given how much time off this team had, I would have expected a better sixty minutes out of them. Is is that a double edged sword though? And like listen, I'm not sitting here trying to make excuses by any stretch, but when you look at all the hockey the Golden Knights were playing early on, it was 
it was easy to be in a rhythm, but it was hard to find the energy night in and night out because you were playing three and four nights most of the time, four and six nights most of the time. The travel was pretty ridiculous for the Golden Knights. And now you're in a stretch where you have the rest, you have the ability to practice, you have all of that kind of at your disposal, but you're just not sharp because you're not in rhythm. Like, I, I wonder how much of that's at play. I wonder how much of kind of the, the excitement, the nervous energy uh, of Alex Petrangelo's 1,000th game. I wonder how, ma- how much of that kind of led into what we saw last night from the Golden Knights. And then obviously there's an illness going through the, the, the room. And, well, and yeah, there's, be, there's that aspect too. And, and we don't know. And, and listen, I'm not sitting here making excuses. Like Bruce Cassidy didn't want any part of that last night either. It is a a fact of the matter that the Golden Knights were without Paul Cotter, who, if healthy, would have been in the lineup. Uh, You didn't have Logan Thompson. You had some players miss some practice time because of the illness as well. So, you know, from an energy perspective, I thought they had it early on. uh, But I'm kind of in line with Bruce Cassidy. Like the most disappointing part of last night's game is that you had a 2-2 game in the third period and an opportunity on the power play to do something. The Minnesota Wild have been better of late on the penalty kill, but they are one of the worst teams in the league in terms of their penalty kill efficiency. You had an opportunity with the man advantage to bring you something where you needed it most, and it didn't come through. It didn't work out for the Vegas Golden Knights. I've struggled with kind of where I'm going to go with this rating because to, to a degree the Alex Petrangelo shine should push this up for me, right? Like, I should be sitting here saying, well, it's probably a tequila. It's probably right in the middle, but Petrangelo played his 1,000th game. He had two assists. I kind of want to move up the the rankings there, but it's actually why I'm going to go down a little bit. It's a tequila game. It is. It's It's right in the middle, three out of five. But the fact that the Golden Knights were unable to kind of find their game in that third period and that it was self-inflicted problems and issues that cost them two points on a night that all you wanted to see was a victory for Petrangelo so that everything can go perfectly. I think that's, to me, what brings it down to a two out of five. Yeah, I think the Petrangelo aspect, I think the way I look at it, I think it kind of tarnishes his his night a little bit. I mean, the accomplishment is there, but how much how much more better would the night have been had he ended up with the two assists they end up winning the game and you're like hey you know what on his 1000th game he had two assists golden mm-hmm. knights beat the, mm-hmm. the minnesota wild a couple former golden knights across the ice on the other side it would have it would have been a really i mean not storybook but it would have been a really nice uh a nice evening here at the fortress had something like that transpired yeah i mean it would have been really cool right like and and petrangelo's a a He's a competitive guy. So ultimately, he's going to remember the accomplishment. He's going to remember the milestone. He's going to remember the ceremony and the stick and all of that. But I, 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 would, be, I would be shocked if Alex Petrangelo doesn't at, at the same time remember that it was a loss. And that's, it speaks to his character. It speaks to who he is as a person, as a competitor. And you know what? You you appreciate the milestone. You appreciate the ceremony. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal display from the Vegas Golden Knights organization to Alex Petrangelo and all of his former teammates. Uh, but ultimately, you wanted the win. It didn't come through for the Golden Knights, and therefore, it, it brings it down in the game rating. Do you have? Uh, do you want to throw uh, an idea out there for what you think Mallard's game rating would be? I think he would probably go somewhere in the two to three range. I, I don't. I, I think, think he goes three. I think he goes tequila. Yeah, I yeah. I, I, I don't think because he, he doesn't generally over 
rate games, and he's generally pretty level-headed when it comes to these, but I think I think he would have rated it ahead of you and I. That's That's probably fair. All right, so a two from you, a two from me. And a three from the absent Darren Millard. We'll just go. We'll just call it a two. Play the uh, play the sounder. Finally, we're going to add one and a half ounces of gin for the world's highest rated job. Dad, I like the dad five, part at the uh, end. <laughs> five to three loss. The Vegas Golden Knights to the Minnesota Wild. A two out of five on our official VGK game rating. We're back with more on the VGK Insider Show. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Rolling along here on a Tuesday. It's the VGK Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman hanging out with you for the next 90 minutes or so. Lindsey Brown, she's coming up at 5 o'clock, so hour number two. She's going to kick that off. We're going to do a deep dive into goaltending. We're going to talk a little bit about Aiden Hill and really what has changed, if, if anything, since coming to the Vegas Golden Knights in his game. Uh, we've also got a pair of tickets. Vegas Golden Knights, Nashville Predators, February 20th. We're not giving them away just yet, but continue to listen. Stick around. I promise you at some point today, we will give those tickets away to a lucky winner. But right now, we want to take a look at the bubble. That's right. The bubble in the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference. You know, Chapman, it it, it feels like there is quite a bit of movement we're expecting in terms of who will or won't make the playoffs in both conferences. It actually feels like down the stretch, once we get through the trade deadline, it's going to be a legitimate race to see who does and doesn't make the playoffs in the National Hockey League. So let me let's start in the Eastern Conference. How many playoff spots do you truly believe are up for grabs right now? Right? Like Boston, to me, they're in. Yes. Florida, to me, they're in. There's locks. Uh, same thing for the New York same thing for the New York Rangers. Like they're a lock to make the playoffs for me. Carolina I'm going to put them there, even though I, I still believe they need a, a better goaltending situation in Carolina. Like, I think that they're a lock. Uh, Tampa, Philadelphia, Toronto, Detroit, New Jersey. Like, there are a lot of teams there that, to me right now, aren't locks. So how many, how many playoff spots are legitimately up for grabs right now in the Eastern Conference? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that the Philadelphia Flyers are going to make the playoffs. I think they're look I think, at you. I, I think they're solid. They're six they've got sixty-four points. They're eight ahead of New Jersey. Now, where it could get a little dicey, they have three mm-hmm. games in hand on the Devils. Or I'm sorry, the Devils have three games to make up to catch the Flyers. The mm-hmm. Islanders have yeah. two. I don't think the Capitals, despite the fact that they also have three games to make up, I don't foresee them uh being a, a threat to catch the Flyers. So what's gonna it, Ultimately, the three games that the Devils have to make up are going to determine whether or not they're a playoff team. So I'm looking at the standings. I think right now Detroit and Toronto, they're both level with 60 points. They both have a bunch of games to catch up to the others as well. I kind of feel like that's what we're going to get. I know it's boring, I just I, I think New Jersey dug themselves in too dig too big of a hole early on, and I think it's going to be really really difficult for them to catch up. I know they could do it. They've got they've got some great players, but I just think the hole is a little too much to overcome. So I'm going to say that the eight teams that are in the playoffs today are the eight teams that are going to make it out of the East. So you think that's it? I think there's that's no it. movement. I, I I don't. So you're 
You're comfortable with Boston, Florida, Tampa, the Rangers, the Hurricanes, the Flyers, Toronto, and Detroit. Yes, and I would never have predicted before the season that the Flyers would be a playoff mm-hmm. team. but The Flyers wouldn't have predicted that either. No, and I think they're, unfortunately for them and, and, and maybe for, for their front office, they're in a position now where they're going to have to do something at the deadline because mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think that – being in the playoffs, and you guys have talked about it, was part of the plan. So now they're ahead of schedule, and that's a tough town where if they stand pat and they were to miss the playoffs, you have a lot of really angry Philadelphia Flyer fans going into next season. So I think they're going to make a move. I, I'm not sure what they're going to do, but they have a good coach. I think they've got they've got some pretty solid players. They've got some guys who, who have stepped up. I think they're in. I, I think those are the eight teams. I, I don't. I don't think the Devils are going to catch the Flyers or or Detroit. Yeah, I I think the Devils are a playoff team. So I who do. are you going to take I, out? I mean, I could see them catching Detroit. I could see them catching Toronto, especially with with some of the news on on Morgan Riley, which we'll get to a little bit later on. Um, you know, I you got the Tampa Bay Lightning right now in, in need, desperate need of a defenseman with. Uh, with Mikhail Sergachev out of the lineup at two. So, I, I mean, there's a whole host of teams. Like, I don't view Tampa, and this is probably the worst thing that I could possibly say. Like, I'll get radioed here for sure, but I'm not putting the Tampa Bay Lightning in the playoffs as a lock. I'm just not doing it. I, I'm sorry. Like, listen, they have been a, a team that you do not turn your back on. They are a team that you do not doubt. They, they've earned that right. But without Sergachev, I'm concerned about Tampa Bay's ability down the stretch. I really am. Now, that's not to say that they're not going to bring in a defenseman. It's not to say that they're they're not going to be able to find a way, but I don't think that they're a lock in the same way that Florida or Boston or the Rangers are. Um, so, yeah, I can absolutely see the New Jersey Devils doing something. You get Jack Hughes back. He's been healthy. He's been a difference maker since returning to the lineup for the New Jersey Devils. Four points is not insurmountable. It just isn't. Now, you need saves, and I think the New Jersey Devils absolutely have to address goaltending at some point here uh, before the, the the trade deadline in order to push themselves in the playoffs. But I think that there's two spots up for grabs. Like, I'm not sold on these being the eight teams in the postseason for the Eastern Conference. I'm just not. And as much as you are in the camp that the Flyers are going to make the playoffs— I'm in the camp that the Flyers are not going to make the playoffs. I don't believe they're going to make the playoffs. I think they are going to be in a position where they cannot abandon what the long-term future is. And I think that a team like the New Jersey Devils, they're just going to find a different gear. They're going to find something. And I think New Jersey gets in for Philadelphia. And I'm 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 nervous about Tampa Bay. I, I really am, and and to a degree, I'm nervous about Toronto. But I'm going to go two spots there. See, now so I, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I think Toronto. I think Tampa. I think they'll make the playoffs. I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to do anything once they get there, but I think they'll make the playoffs. I I, I think we could put to bed that they had a really good run. This is it, now the you're end not of, you're not concerned at all about Toronto. I am. I am concerned about Toronto, but. My my concern is lifted when I see that they have only 50 games played and they've got opportunity to get points while the other teams are at home. So, mm-hmm. granted, you got to win those games, right? Games in hand don't mean anything if you lose them. 
But I think there's opportunity there for Toronto to to kind of make up some ground on some of the teams that they'd be chasing. Mm. I like Detroit. I think I think they're going to go all in. I think if there was one team that would spoil the party for these eight, I do think it's New Jersey. I'm I'm not sold on the Islanders. I think mm-hmm. I think they're they're going to fade down the stretch much the same way the Washington Capitals have started to fade a bit. Remember there was there was a pretty long period of time where they were in a pretty solid playoff spot. I think they're they're going to fade mm-hmm. down the stretch. I I think you got to give Patrick Waugh some time to to build what he wants to do there. Um I I could see one team sneaking in and and if it was one I think it would be New Jersey. What worries me about New Jersey? I don't know when Dougie Hamilton's coming back. Mm-hmm. And they're also missing Jonas Siegenthaler. He's out as no, well. No, no, stop, stop. You got but, you got Jack Hughes back in the fold. Yeah, but, you can but, outscore but, your problems now. You can outscore your problems now. But they haven't been outscoring the problems, Ryan. They're minus six. Because like Jack Hughes is back for three games. Give it time, buddy. Yeah, but even, it'll be fine. <laughs> the sky the sky is falling for me. <laughs> but, you you can't you can't do that. You can't do that. I just I you just gotta, you got like you gotta trust in New Jersey and you gotta trust in their best players. Like Jack Hughes is a difference maker. He just is. Now, if they can get competent goaltending and Jack Hughes can stay healthy, they're absolutely a playoff team in my book. Well, those are two big – well, I would say that's one big if because I, I feel like mm-hmm. Jack Hughes will be healthy the remainder of the season. I don't know about the goalie situation. Um, you know, it, it hasn't been good. Uh, Vitek Vanacek, <laughs> <laughs> he, he actually did not play last night. Um <laughs> I, I guess he was he was either sick. They have it listed as lower body slash illness. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if, what's going on there. Uh, but their goalie situation is a mess, and they 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 they've got guys like Akira Schmidt and and mm-hmm. Nico Dawes. Neither one of them. I'm not leaning on them in, in an important situation. No, you need to make a trade for a goalie. Yeah, I mean, you, you, and and the, the, the they're going to be the out Devils there. absolutely have to make a trade for a goalie. Like, I don't think there's any other way around it. You need league average goaltending, and that team is absolutely on fire going into the postseason. So, um, you, so you're – I've talked you into at most one spot available, right? Yes. Like, you're, at, you're at not willing one. to write – Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So let's move our attention to the Western Conference. Um, you've got – the Dallas Stars leading the Central Division, 70 points. Colorado, 68 points. Winnipeg, 67 points. The Pacific Division, you got Vancouver, 76 points. Vegas, 68 points. Edmonton, 61. And then the Kings and the Blues are both tied with 58 points. Those are the two wild card teams. How many, how many playoff spots are reasonably up for grabs in the Western Conference, Chapman? Well, there's a bunch because... I'm not I'm not I'm not sold on St. Louis and I'm not sold on as as crazy as it sounds I'm not sold mm-hmm. on the Kings. I think Calgary is 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 there. Seattle, you have to wonder if if maybe the last 10 games or so is kind of taking them I, out of the picture. I think Seattle's out of the picture. I think Seattle, Arizona, Anaheim, San Jose, Chicago like those teams right there are out of the fold. I I kind of want to go there with Minnesota. But I don't know that I can just yet, mainly because I'm I'm not sure I I trust wholeheartedly in in St. Louis or Nashville. So um, I do believe Nashville, Calgary, Minnesota are in the running on this one. Seattle, I, I don't think there's a chance. Yeah. So so I mean, basically the way I'm looking at it, you've got four teams fighting for. I'm sorry, is it five teams? 
fighting for two spots because I think Calgary is in the mix. Obviously, the Kings are are right there. Minnesota, Nashville, St. Louis. I mean, there's two spots, and there's five teams right there. So you're not sold on L.A., huh? I I they just beat the Oilers. Yeah, but new coach bump. You know, there's there's that 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 does exist. What what part of L.A.'s team are you not sold on, or their game are you not sold on? I I for me, it's consistency. Mm-hmm. I I find them to be a very in, and they shouldn't be, and they 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 certainly have really good players. I don't and and I know there's a lot of, I don't think Cam Talbot has been the issue. Like I know Mm-mm. they're talking about maybe the Kings making a move for a goalie. I don't particularly think Cam Talbot's been terrible. I mean, look at his numbers. He's he's pretty solid. I mean, he was an all-star. I mean, uh, granted, maybe the division that has the the he's the he's played a lot. That's he's played a and lot. That's what, the that's the thing with Cam Talbot, right? Like you you brought him in, and he has been phenomenal in the early goings. And you had a situation where you just didn't really trust your backup goaltending. You had to play Cam Talbot a lot. It, it wasn't as strong at the in the middle part of the year as it was at the beginning of the year, and now you're trying to to kind of backfill it with you know uh, taking some of that load off of Cam's shoulders. So uh, in that regard, like I I can understand the idea of a goaltender to Los Angeles, but like Dave Riddick has come in and he has been really solid for LA too. So um, I I'm less sold on LA's need for a goalie. And more sold on the idea that the LA Kings just need to find their game again. Like I, I believe they will. I think LA is a lock to make the playoffs. And again, this is a, a a great segment to get radioed. But I think the Los Angeles Kings overall are too good of a team, from their forwards to their defensemen, and even in goal, to continue with this spiral and not make the playoffs. So I think LA is a lock. Well, now my, here, here here's. The other kind of issue I have with L.A., they make mm. the big move in the summer for mm-hmm. Pierre-Luc Dubois. Sure. I'd say that's a move that, looking back, hasn't exactly worked out for them. Like, Pierre-Luc Dubois has not been good for the Kings. No. No, he hasn't. Now, and I think if he has gonna, to be. Well, that's it. That's what I'm getting at. If they're going to make the playoffs, he's going to need to get mm-hmm. going. 21 points sure. after 49 games, that's not going to cut it. Yeah, but the emergence of Quinton Byfield kind of makes the lack of production that you thought you were getting from Pierre-Luc Dubois a little bit easier to stomach in the regular season. It's the postseason where Dubois is going to have to really shine, right? Like, obviously, it has worked out for the like Jets. Like, they have done great in that trade. Um, in in bringing in Gabe Velarde and Rasmus Kapari, like things have gone really well for Winnipeg in that in that trade. But you know, for LA, like Dubois is going to have to find something. You're absolutely right there. I just I don't think LA fundamentally as a team are in the same ballpark as a St. Louis or a Nashville or a Calgary or a Minnesota. Like, I think they're infinitely better than those teams, and I think that that will come to come to pass over the over the final 30 games or so. I, I tend to agree with you. I'm just not 100% sold that it's going to happen for them. On paper, they're, they're you, the best team fighting for that, for, for one of those two spots. Do you think Calgary coming out of the break and playing well changes their thought process when it comes to the trade deadline? I look at Calgary in a lot of the ways. I look at the Nashville Predators in that 
you're mm-hmm. close to making the playoffs, but the problem is I don't think you're close to doing anything in the playoffs. <laughs> right. So, I mean, sure, it's great to make the playoffs, but do you want to maybe take a step back for your future to just mm-hmm. make the playoffs, or do you want to maybe make a – I mean, we've already seen Calgary make a move where they sold the player, right? They already traded away a, 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 a named player. So – I think they're going to be sellers at the deadline. I don't believe that they that they feel that they're going to be good enough to make the playoffs and do something in the playoffs. So I think maybe they'll fade away. I think if you're St. Louis and Nashville and Minnesota for that, you you probably have to approach it the same way. Like like I think if you're LA, you have to make the playoffs. I think if you're St. Mm-hmm. Louis, Nashville or Minnesota, Calgary, I don't feel like there's there's a demand from your fans that you have to make the playoffs because I don't think any of their fans yeah. really anticipated them to be in a playoff position when the season began. Calgary, I think they did. Now, Nashville, they, they, they're they kind of always here. That, like it's yeah, the this messy is, middle this is for the Nashville been, Predators. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And and that has been my biggest issue with the Nashville Predators over really the last seven or eight years is like pick one and do it, right? Like either – lose to get better to the point where when you do make the playoffs you can do some damage or or just do something other than be mediocre and and, and that's, like that's what they've been that's, since since the since they lost to Winnipeg in the mm-hmm. what was it conference semifinals in the first season what was it 2017 2018 mm-hmm. they've mm-hmm. basically been this team that's kind of teetered on the 7 8 spot and you know, they've watched other teams in division surpass them and, and, and make runs to finals, win Stanley Cups. Like, I, I, I know hockey is unpredictable. I do. But I don't understand the point of making the playoffs when you have no chance to do anything. And I, even if the Predators make the playoffs, even if the Flames make the playoffs, like, I don't see there being a an avenue in any way, shape, or form for them to actually do something. So to me at that point, it's like, why? What's the point? Well, that's Retool, it right sell off, and get yourself into a position that when you do get back to the playoffs or you do get into a position where you can make the playoffs, you can go on a run and you can do some damage. We're up against it. Take a break. Set up hour number two next on the VGK Insider Show. Off day for the Vegas Golden Knights today. We'll kind of see how things progress. Vegas not in action again until Saturday. It's a 7.30 start time against the Carolina Hurricanes. And if you're going to that game, please, please, please make sure to leave early. There will be traffic closures on the I-15 and Tropicana right near T-Mobile Arena. So plan ahead for that. Whole other hour of the VGK Insider Show rolling along. Here we got Lindsey Brown joining us to talk goaltending in just a couple of minutes. And breaking news, perhaps... When it comes to a former Vegas Golden Knight. All that's still to come. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.